Good morning. What's in a name? Names identify. They call out. Designate. They can signify greatness, like Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill, the Apostle Paul. They can also alert us to destruction, like Stalin, Bin Laden, or King Saul. Many images and emotions can come to mind when talking about names. Sometimes the name of someone or something can bring different thoughts to different people. For example, if I say the word Mustang, many of you might think of the free-roaming horse of the American West. But me, I think of cruising around in my Papa's 1968 Ford Mustang convertible with a 289 engine rumbling as music in my ears while the warm wind rushes over my head. A few weeks ago, I called my mom to ask her if she could find a couple of pictures from my high school days. And in her search, she actually found one of my senior memory books and she brought it to me. As I looked through some of the old pictures there and some of the questions that I answered in my 17-year-old mind, I was actually struck by the names of the people that wrote in my book. Some of them I don't remember at all. And some I still have contact with. Well, in the midst of me taking a trip down memory lane, my men's discipleship group has taken on the challenge this summer to read the Bible through in 90 days. It's been a whirlwind of a ride. We're about halfway done. I'm actually a couple days behind. But man, it has been so refreshing. And as I've been reading, there have been a few names. Some of them familiar to me and some of them that are not familiar that have caught my attention. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to share with you some of the names that I have been reading and I want to share with you what I believe that we can learn from them. The exodus of Israel from Egypt has happened. And now Israel camps out in Kadesh, in the wilderness of Paran. In Numbers 12, verse 16, it says, After that, the people left Hazaroth and encamped in the desert of Paran. That's where they are. The people have seen wonderful miracles from God as he has rescued them from Pharaoh's grip and cared for them all along their journey. And while they are still struggling with their complaining, the stage is set for them to enter now into the promised land. For the way out, there is light at the end of the tunnel. The Israel story continues in chapter 13 of Numbers. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one a leader among them. Well, the first name that really has grabbed my attention, as it should, is the Lord. Yahweh. A name that 
depicts the one who continues to prove other names for himself, like faithful, gracious, merciful, powerful. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Yahweh is faithful. Psalm 145, 8, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. Yahweh is gracious and merciful. In talking about the law of redeeming the firstborn in Exodus, Exodus chapter 13, 14 says, And it shall be when your son asks you in a time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, With a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Yahweh is powerful. Psalm 29, 4. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. This name should grab all of our attention. He is faithful, gracious, merciful, powerful, among just a few of the things that we could describe of our God. Well, as I'm reading in this story, Another name grabs my attention, and actually a list of names, the spies, the 12 spies going to check out the land, and continues in chapter 13, verse 3, so Moses sent from them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the sons of Israel. These then were their names, from the tribe of Reuben, Shammuah, the son of Zakur. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Igal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. From the tribe of Joseph, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamali. From the tribe of Asher, Sethur, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Bafshi. From the tribe of Gad, Goel, the son of Maki. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. But Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. And I do pray for forgiveness that in case I mispronounce any of those names. You know, many parents, when they set out to name their children, they look for deep meaning. Many of you have done that. The Lord has done that. In fact, we see him change names because of meaning and what he wants to do with a person. Jenny, I, Jenny and I, on the other hand, when we were having kids, we did not pick a name for meaning. We just simply wanted it to sound cool. <laughs> so when we were expecting our firstborn, we had two names that we liked, Keaton and Gavin. We couldn't decide on which one, and so when the time came, we decided, that oh, we'll just wait till he comes, and then we'll look at him and see which one we like better. The time came, we looked at him and said, it's a Keaton. 
So his name is Keaton. A couple years later, we were expecting our second son. We still like Gavin, and so we said, it's a Gavin. So we have a Keaton and a Gavin. You want to know what those names mean? Keaton means place of hawks. Gavin means white hawk. <laughs> so, though Jenny and I were not looking for any meaning in our baby names, apparently the Lord did because these names depict perfectly the relationship of a little brother flying around his older brother. What's in a name? Well, according to the Expositor's Bible Commentary, these are the possible names of the 12, tri the 12 spies of the tribes of Israel. Shamua, report of God. Shaphat, he has judged. Caleb, dog. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Egal, he redeems. Hosea, Joshua, salvation. Palti, my escape is God. Gadiel, my fortune is God. Gadi, my fortune is in God. Amiel, God is my kinsman. Satur, sheltered by God. Nabi, my hiding is God. Goel, majesty of God. What great names for these leaders. I mean, this is quite possibly a who's who's list of names of the tribes of Israel. Men who among their peers are seen as leaders. Everyone a leader among them is what the Lord said. Their people think they're leaders, Moses thinks they're leaders, and the Lord thinks they're leaders. And they have names that identify with Yahweh. So the men are picked, they're commissioned, and they set out on their mission. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, go up there into the Negev, then go up into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was a time of the first ripe grapes. So, with orders in hand, the 12 spies set out. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zen as far as Rehob and Lebo Hamath. When they had gone up into the Negev, they came to Hebron where Ahiman, Shashai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eskol, and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men with some pomegranates and the figs. The place was called the valley of Eskol because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. Eskol meaning cluster. Now the journey of the 12 spies was about 250 miles each way and it took them 40 days to get there and back. They accomplished their mission and upon return they brought fruit from the promised land as they were instructed. 
What an exciting time this would be in the life of Israel. The 12 guys are bringing back fruit, a cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it between a pole. A salivating picture for what the Lord had waiting for the people of Israel in Canaan. So the men give the report. And we see two different responses from that report. Beginning in verse 26. They proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and all living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Well, one of the spies could see that the crowd was getting a little agitated as this report was coming in, talking about these names of people that are scary. So Caleb steps in and says, he says he quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Caleb says, hush. This is our land. It has been promised to us. Let's go get it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Their response is inciting a riot in the congregation of the people of Israel. And in chapter 14, we say, Then all of the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt! Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Isn't that just like any rebellious person you've ever met? One who is actually being led to life and freedom, yet when things get a little tough and we can't see the, the whole picture, we begin to blame a leader and we want a new one. And the new one that we're crying out for is actually going to lead us back into slavery. How many examples are there in our current world today of the same scenario? How many examples? 
in many of our churches around the world. Strong leaders press on in the face of danger, in the midst of ridicule, and in times when the people can't see the whole picture. Beginning in verse 6, it says, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and with honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not rebel against the Lord, they exclaimed. Do not be afraid of these people, they pleaded. The Lord is with us, they reminded the people. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Yahweh showed up. And after discussing with Moses and Moses pleading on the people's behalf for forgiveness, the Lord said that he would pardon the people because he is gracious and he is merciful. But there are results for their disobedience. There are consequences to their actions. And the Lord then lays out what will happen to these people. Beginning verse 29. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Even all your numbered men, according to your complete number, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, surely you shall, have not, you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and, I will know, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this, is, this I will do to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be destroyed, and there they will die. As for the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land and who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing out a bad report concerning the land, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of those men who went out to spy the land. A whole generation is going to be taken out. A few weeks ago, Wayne showed a video clip of a mama duck leading her ducklings off a three or four foot ledge into the water. What caught my attention is the determination of that mama duck to challenge her babies to follow her, to lead them. Now some of those ducklings were more timid than others, but eventually, because mama showed them the way, they followed. 
because they, they needed to jump so they could catch up with mom and stay in her security. The 12 spies of Israel had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to encourage Israel to take possession of the land that God had promised. But the 10 men living in fear, instead, they incited a riot and convinced the people of Israel to, to rebel because they forgot something. They forgot the name of Yahweh, the one who is faithful and gracious and merciful and powerful. They forgot who he was. They forgot that he promised them this land and they refused to take it for want of perceived safety. And instead of leading their ducklings over the ledge into the, <clears throat> into the cool water toward home, they helped condemn them to wandering a wilderness and to death. And trying to be safe, they died themselves, not getting to enjoy the fruit that they had seen and tasted, all because they refused to follow Yahweh. You know, just in the last week, in our own home, and in several places around the world, we have seen very, very scary events take place. The world is not a friendly place. Sin and unrighteousness abound. Evil, some days, appears to be winning. The names of the people that the spies were bringing up, the Hittites, the, the, the people of Anak, that would be like us talking about ISIS. These are not good people. But evil will not prevail because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Yahweh has already won. We can trust him. Because like he did for the Israelites, he offers today you and I an opportunity for another promised land. He's going to allow us to enter into a place where, there, where he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. This is what Jesus came to do. The Lord sent his son. All we have to do is trust in the name of the one who came, Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 10 says, For this reason God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We say that verse over and over and over again. But if we truly believe that, it is upon believing in this name, Jesus, that He gives us a new name. 1 John 3, 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are. Romans 8, 37, no, 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. If we believed on Jesus, that's who we are. Are you living out your name? How are you doing in that? Are you in danger of being like the ten spies who brought out the bad report of the land? Because you forget the name of Yahweh. I don't, know, but I don't know about you, but I never knew those ten guys' names. These names meant something. I mean, after all, who wouldn't want a name like Amiel? God is my kinsman. What a beautiful name. And yet he was one of the guys that forgot that he belonged to Yahweh. And he and his nine friends, they didn't live up to their names. They forgot Yahweh and they squandered the promises that he had before them. Years ago, the group For Him wrote a song. Now as a disclaimer, there is a phrase in the song that says something about the Bible not being closed. So if you look the song up, don't beat me up later, okay? But the chorus I have used as a prayer in my life since I was in high school. It says, I want to be a man that you would write about. Oh, a thousand years from now that they could read about. The servant of choice in whom you found favor, a man who heard your voice. I want my name to be remembered because God's grace shines through my life. I want to be known as one who is courageous, who stands up in the face of unrighteousness and danger and offers hope to those who need it. I want to be a man who leads my family in such a way that that they know I recognize that I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That I understand what it means to live in community with God's people with all the joys and messiness that that entails. I want to lead them to follow Yahweh no matter what. No matter what. Even if it means walking into the face of death. But I got to tell you, that's really difficult in a society where we are so bent on comfort and easy living that we think we need to have 26 bathrooms in our homes for a family of four. But with Yahweh, nothing's impossible. I want to understand God's word and have a worldview that comes from him so that I can live appropriately. In her book, uh, Saving Leonardo, Nancy Piercy discusses the importance of having a biblical worldview. And she relates this story. Piercy writes, one of my students had already taken several worldview courses before signing up for my class, but she had grown disillusioned. I had pages and pages of notes and diagrams, she told me, but I realized I had become very proud, placing everyone in neat philosophical categories. I had stopped listening to people because my knowledge trumped all. 
Communication became a matter of proving I was right. Piercy elaborates. The study of worldview and apologetics can descend into little more than a game of gotcha, where winning the argument is all important. A biblical motivation for studying worldviews should be the same principle that motivates all authentic discipleship. The goal is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. I want to be a servant of God who loves him and others so that I can offer hope to those around me. To take opportunities to live like a dog in his body. Caleb, meaning dog. Actually depicting loyalty. The loyalty that a dog has for his master. And his buddy, Joshua, meaning salvation. I desire to be loyal to my God to my friends, to my family, to my church, to my community, to live like Joshua and Caleb in the midst of danger so that I can offer salvation through the name above every name, Jesus. The only name that mankind can be saved. Church, I exhort you to live out your name. You are children of God. You are more than conquerors. You represent Yahweh, who is faithful, merciful, gracious, powerful, among just a few. Let's be like these two spies. Let's be like a dog and his buddy and enjoy the fruits of the work he can do through us as we submit to the Spirit and glorify the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us a new name for those who have trusted in your son. God, in the midst of the chaos that surround us, surrounds us, the, the death and destruction, the threats that we live with, and are going to have to live with more and more, it seems, I pray that we would be like Joshua and Caleb. A loyal man and a man who understands what it means to bring salvation to people. God, help us to be men and women who live by your name, trusting in your goodness that you are God that, you are, that you, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything is in your hands. Father, may your grace ooze through our lives. May your love allow us to, to reach out a hand and love those in need. Father in heaven, if there's anybody in this room that has not claimed the name of Jesus for salvation, I ask that you would pierce their heart today. Allow them to fall at your feet, Lord, so that they can get a new name too.
and they can be a part of this community, this redeemed community that we can walk out together and help others see the light. It's in Jesus' name, amen.